Hey, before we get to our show, we want to tell you to listen to something else. NPR One. It's an app for your phone. Uh, it's full of news and podcasts, including our show, How to Do Everything. And whenever you're ready to listen, NPR has something great just for you. Probably some mediocre things as well. Probably some terrible stuff. I don't know. You can find it on your app store, NPR O-N-E. Hey, Christina, what can we help you with? Uh, well, the other day I was taking a study break, and I was just sitting and watching some kind of TV show. I don't even remember what it was. And the characters happened to be looking through an old baby book and looking through pictures of presumably the characters when they were little. And I was just wondering, well, where did they get these pictures from? And were they actually photoshopped? Or are these actually the actors' pictures as kids? Or what is the whole background behind making pictures in movies and TVs? It's in, it's fun to think about, like, a director needing to call, you know, like, George Clooney's mom <laughs> to get his elementary school photos. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, right? I mean, George Clooney, he was a kid once. Yeah. He probably did kid stuff, played t-ball. Handsome t-ball. And then if they can't find pictures, did they use, like, maybe their stunt doubles when they were kids? Oh, good, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... This is an interesting question. We're going we're gonna to try and get to the bottom of it. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I think we have somebody who can help you with this question. She's on the line with us now. Carla, can you introduce yourself for us? Oh, I'm Cl- Carla Danes, um, and I'm the mom of Claire Danes and her brother Asa. On the off chance you, you don't know who she's talking about, uh, Carla is Carla Danes, mother of Claire Danes, star of Homeland. My so-called life. Igby goes down. That uh, Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet movie is really good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but uh, here back to the conversation. And I've lived in Santa Monica for almost twenty years, and we came out here for Claire to do My So-Called Life. So we're, we're guessing that when a show or a movie needs those photos, that you would be a source of that. Has that ever happened? Yeah. No. Oh God. Yeah. They come straight to us, and we have to. Well, we used to rummage through each time um, all the pictures. Um, now we're organized, and we have them kind of in one place. Because, you know, a lot of them have family, our family photos, everybody. You know, it's not just Claire Bear. So yeah. we, uh, we had to kind of, you know, get out the Claire ones. Yeah. But um, what they do is they just shoot them again. And everybody's been very, very, very conscientious and careful. Nobody has ever lost a picture, and they send them back. Well, I wonder when you see um, when you see them in a in in one of her shows or, or or movies, like take take Homeland for instance. You're seeing these photos, which you know were part of your family photos, but now they're part of the history of a character. Yeah, yeah. Is that strange? Well, you know, we're artists, and. Um, we're kind of used to taking parts of yourself, and um, it's only part of yourself. Uh, yeah. But it is a shock in, uh, it, on sets to, you know, as part of a set. It's like, ooh, ooh, there's Claire. There is a, um, a pole, but, uh, you know, that's kind of par for the course. That's what actors do. They're always giving away part of themselves. That must be strange, though, right, to see your family photos, if we're thinking of Homeland. So there's yeah. the character that your daughter is playing. Yeah. And then there's the photo on the, in the background or wherever. That's your daughter, Claire. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, there's one in Homeland where she has a permanent, and she's standing in front of the the piano, the rented piano, and so all kinds of thoughts come back about um, the lady who taught her piano, and yeah, so I have a whole history that has absolutely nothing to do with with Carrie, but um, like I say, I, it's not hard to separate. It's not hard for me to separate who's who. She'll always be our daughter. Does Does Claire have, I, I mean, I think we all have awkward phases, and we have photos of our past that we're embarrassed of. Does does she have veto power in what you submit to a show? Uh, I don't know. I guess not. But there's really nothing embarrassing. Yeah. Um, Is that true? You know, Come on. There's no kids on fur rugs or anything with no clothes on, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, they're just kid photos. Hey, hey, Belle! That, that's my dog. Bella! Sorry, I'm yelling at everybody in the audience. There's a squirrel in the yard. <laughs> ah. Well, um, can I just ask you one more thing about these photos? Yeah, sure. There, There's one really striking one in the opening credits of Carrie slash Claire in a lion mask. Yes. What's going on with that photo? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think that's a Photoshop. I don't know that lion mask. Really? Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. So they're messing with your memories of Claire's childhood. No, they're mes- messing with the images of Claire Bear in her childhood. It's different. Yeah. It's not Claire's childhood anymore. It's, it's Carrie's. Yeah, their sure. character they're playing with. No, I'm real clear about who's who. Well, Carla, thank you so much uh, for talking to us today. You're welcome. It's now the part of our show where we like to do nothing more than to tell you about our sponsors. And support for our show this week comes from Blue Apron. Blue Apron partners with sustainable farms, fisheries, and ranchers to bring you all the ingredients you need to create incredible home-cooked meals. They're unbelievable. They're absolutely incredible. They're not not credible meals. Do not trust these meals. Ingredients compared with an easy-to-follow recipe card delivered to your door weekly in a refrigerated box. Whatever these meals tell you, even if you want to believe it, remember they are not credible. Rediscover how fun cooking can be while enjoying specialty ingredients and exploring new flavors and cuisines. Get your first three Blue Apron meals free, plus free shipping, by visiting blueapron.com slash everything. I'll tell you, Blue Apron's great. Until you break up with your girlfriend and then you have to eat all the food yourself. Is actually, there is a lot of food. You have leftovers, which is good, even if you're with somebody in a kind of a committed, loving relationship and not a, not a, a not lone a, loser. Not, if your life is not fractured and torn apart and you're left at your apartment receiving those boxes each week reminding you that you once were two and now you're one. As if uh, paying the mortgage by yourself wasn't enough of a reminder or sleeping alone in a bed. Blueapron.com slash everything. Oh, also Stamps.com. Uh, we we want to thank Stamps.com uh, by reading this message they've written. Mailing and shipping can seem like a no-win situation. A lot like love. Trips to the post office are time-consuming, and leasing a postage meter is expensive. Maybe you need to go to the post office to mail boxes of your former partner's stuff to her house. Because you can't bear to see her. can't bear to be in the same 300 feet of her. 
It's also illegal. There's a better way. Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package full of uh, the books she left using your own computer. Sign up for Stamps.com for a special offer, a four-week trial, plus postage and a digital scale. Why, why she would even want those books, you, you gave them to her. But now you have a scale where you can measure your misery. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone, and enter everything. Last week in the Czech Republic, uh, explorers found the deepest point that has ever been found in an underwater cave. We, we want to talk to them about how they got there. On the line with us now is Marcin Jamkowski. He's an explorer for National Geographic and is a member of the expedition team. So tell us what this cave was like. When you look at this, when you look at the water, you don't believe that it could be anything um, really exciting because at the beginning, at the most upper part of the cave is like milk. It's a very hard dive at the beginning. First 20 meters, you swim in something like a liquid fog. You, you, don't see, you don't see a lot. You just follow a thin rope and you swim into the cave and you realize that you are, with every step, with every kick of your fins, you are farther and farther away from your home. The leader of our expedition, who is Krzysztof Starnawski, he is extremely experienced cave diver. And he began exploration of this cave 20 years ago. He was able to go deeper and deeper, and finally he reached 265 meters deep. Wow. And um, that was the, the limit of what human can do in this cave. So we decided that the best idea would be to look for some support from the electronics, from some machinery. First, we sent a little probe on the cable and it, it uh, reached more than 300 meters. Then we sent another two probes and they reached 384 meters, which was very close to the world record, 392. So we wanted, of course, to, to beat it. And um, last week, we were able finally to reach the bottom, or which we think is the bottom of the cave. It reached 404 meters, which is the deepest um, underwater cave as we know now on the planet. And still we saw a little bit of uh, some dark spot, which could mean that there is some abyss um, still to be explored under that uh, shelf on which it landed. Well, so it could be a bottomless cave. It could be. <laughs> Maybe it goes to the other side of the globe, to Australia. <laughs> wow. And have you guys have you guys encountered any creatures there in the cave underwater? No, there is no life underwater, apart from the divers, of course. Wow. But nothing, nothing's alive under underwater in this cave because um, the water is very unusual because it's saturated with CO2, so it's acidic, and it's also saturated with H2S, which um, makes this water smell like with a um, little bit like rotten eggs. Oh, it's got sulfur in it. Yes, it's, oh, wow. it, it's got some sulfur. Which, which means that 
it's not possible for any um, form of life to survive there. It's so much acidic that when you dive, you have to put cream on your face because you need to uh, separate your skin from this water. Otherwise, you feel itching on, on, your, on your lips and when you go up um, to the surface, your lips are usually swollen because of contact with that acidic water. Can I ask, so, I mean, you have, you have acidic water, you have, uh, at some points, these very tight spaces, this incredible pressure. Why, why, do you do, why do you do this? We do it because we are curious. And curiosity is the main driving factor for me to go to such hostile environment as the dark, narrow cave with acidic water in some far mountains in Czech Republic. Well, Marcin, thank you so much for telling us about this. Thank you very much. Um, this has been really fascinating, and I, I really admire the work you do. It's, um, it's something I could never do. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> yeah, let us know if you guys find a, a kraken or anything deep, deep in the abyss. Absolutely. That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? Well, I learned that there's a cave in the Czech Republic that's bottomless. I, I, you know, it's interesting because there's um, also at the Olive Garden, the pasta bowl is also bottomless. Is that right? I, I guess that they've sent several pasta explorers down there, experts in Alfredo marinara, uh-huh. and yet uh, no one has yet found the bottom of the bottomless pasta bowl. What they find is they just keep finding more and more pasta. Yeah. Is it any kind of pasta? It's baffled researchers. Fusili? Fusili is going to be down there. Who know? Who knows what pastas we we here on the surface have yet to imagine? That given the pressures of oh. the deep, deep yeah. bottom, right? The the trench of pasta, we can't imagine pastas that have lived without light for falas for centuries that have had to make their own light source. Angel hairs, penes. Who knows? They do believe that uh, when they make it, mm-hmm. that down there, your family. What about on the surface? Uh, well, it, uh, uh, up here? Yeah. Up here, your family. And at the bottom? Down there, they believe your family. How to Do Everything is produced by Candace Mattel with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Joe. Joe was responsible for cleaning the toilets here at How to Do Everything, which um, we apologize that uh, we've been doing this show for, for years at this point, and we, yeah. you were the first to have to go in there. Something uh, of a bottomless pit, <laughs> wasn't it, Joe? Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. You can visit our website, howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Dan, do you remember once we recorded a segment with you under an elevated train line in Chicago? Yeah, I don't remember that making it to air. I think the idea was we were going to do interviews in the worst possible locations to record interviews. (laughs) How'd that turn out? I don't remember hearing that series. Yeah, we never did it. Do you remember Uh, what we talked about, though? (sighs) It was about... I want to say it involved guacamole. I believe it was how to eat pasta, Mm. the right way to eat pasta. If it works for you right now, we'll give you a chance to answer that question. Okay. Well, I'll say two quick things. Number one, it depends short pasta or long. That's all the time we have for today. 
Subscribe to the Sporkful podcast from WNYC Studios, wherever you get your podcasts.